voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. jazz hands because you decided to join starfleet's glee club starfleet has a key club glee club no never mind what is this all about i'm jazzing you're jazzing like in the movie we watched last night oh you mean the cry fest that you insisted would be uplifting, and was instead just so sad. Oh, I thought it was life-affirming. I guess it was also that. Hmm, I suppose life-affirming art does often have its sad component. Perhaps we should just start the show and discuss? I, why not? Hi, friends at home! <laughs> I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I'm jazzing. Or, uh, trying to jazz. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Yeah, so, okay, so so I have so many questions. Um fair. Yeah, so, uh, friends at home, we watched the uh, Disney-Pixar Disney joint mm-hmm. Soul. We sure did. And I have to admit <laughs> that when Spock suggested this and was like, this is going to tie in perfectly with our topic of returning to the world post-COVID, I kept waiting during this film for the moment that I would be like, I see how this ties in. And it did, it was like the final maybe two minutes where I was like, oh, I think I get it. Okay. So tell <laughs> me what- I'm still not 100% what, sure. So like what happened for you in the final two minutes that made you think maybe, maybe this is it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. When, when they're like the spark- The spark is not your purpose. The spark is basically the will to live. And I was like, this must be why. Is it why? (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's funny because when I I remember telling you this and feeling just like so confident and nay even proud that I'd put these two things together Mm -hmm. um, because full disclosure listeners... As I think almost all of you probably know, our book like recently launched, so we've been doing mm-hmm. like lots of promoing for that. So like 
we were not like scraping the bottom of the creativity barrel, but we were like really, <laughs> it, it felt like we were on the struggle bus trying to come up with like what was going to be mm-hmm. our next like proper Starship Therapies pod. Mm-hmm. And we knew we wanted to talk about reentry because though mm-hmm. obviously the pandemic is nowhere near being over, it is starting to like lessen its pressure, at least in the United States. So we were like, mm-hmm. good time to talk about how to sort of reenter public life. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, soul. And I remember thinking that with such confidence and telling you that. And now I find myself wondering, why did I think that? <laughs> I actually, oh, you know what? In this process of you being confused, I think I perhaps have oh, have good. more. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, you know, we were talking about this on one of our appearances recently. No, uh, when we we did a training, we recorded a training that that you and I tend to co-create. Yes. As as we engage with each other, mm-hmm. and I couldn't have named this while watching Soul. Um. And friends at home, if you haven't watched Soul, I just fully spoiled it for you. Um. Yes. <laughs> we'll put that in the liner notes. Be prepared to be fully spoiled. Great. Um, and if you haven't seen it, just very briefly, it is a a black jazz musician's journey of self-discovery. In in both on planet Earth and in the esoteric afterlife. And the before life. And the before life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because clearly in this imagined universe, there is reincarnation. Because they give voice to, you have been here before, but you don't remember. Yes. So, this, uh, this jazz musician dies. And, well, he almost dies. And his yes. soul goes to uh, the in-between place. And they're like, please go to heaven. And he's like, no. And so he kind of j- jumps off the mm-hmm. stairs to heaven and winds up in the before place. He had heard the song Stairway to Heaven too many times during his time on Earth. And he was like, no, thank you. I will not be taking this stairway. No, thank you. Um, where he befriends a, a new soul. Named 22. Soul number 22. Who's never been to Earth and is like pretty certain that she doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And the hijinks ensue when yes. they preemptively return to Earth mm-hmm. and wind up in the wrong bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like Freaky Friday minus both Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. It's Jazzy Friday. Jazzy Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzy <laughs> Yeah, so now that we're talking about it, what I'm thinking is we too, the humans of at least America, I can't speak to the humans of other countries, have felt like we were prematurely taken out of our lives. Yes. By COVID. Mm -hmm. And we were like, no, let me back, let me back, let me back. And even though the uh, hippie shaman who was helping us get back to our bodies, <laughs> said, hang on, we need to wait, we need to do some stuff. Mm. They just were so desperate to get back to, or at least uh, Joe Gardner 
was so desperate to get back to the life that he had, he just jumped back down to Earth and wound up in the body of a cat. Sure. That'll happen sometimes. And I think this could be a metaphor. I think so. For, you know, what, what does it mean to be taken out of your life at a time Mm -hmm. when you didn't choose yeah and how you know how to re-enter mindfully yeah and actually it just like it re-clicked again when i was explaining sort of like Mm -hmm. 22's backstory because 22 reminds me or makes me think a lot of folks who have found things to appreciate about Mm-hmm. Perhaps not like full total lockdown and quarantine, but things to appreciate about some of this, not just like limited social con- social contact, but limited social expectation. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of going back into this more public life um, where there's all, there's so many new kinds of or old but new social pressures Mm-hmm. can feel really I mean for some folks I think it feels really frightening and overwhelming and they feel like you know like I I had this like very concrete external reason like no I can't do this because of the pandemic but mm-hmm. now as that's going away what do I say if I don't want to do a thing or if I don't feel comfortable doing a thing then suddenly it's on me and I don't oh how do I navigate that mm-hmm. is pizza really worth it oh man I miss cheese god are you are you still going strong on the no cheese yeah i haven't had dairy in months wow i hadn't realized that you were like yeah "Mm." my my body just feels so much better that's that's a hard i know coach tyler says if i would just take a a probiotic and a digestive enzyme that i could reintroduce dairy but i'm just i'm too nervous i know yeah, he's he's trying to get me on the the this like protein probiotic shake thing. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just not ready. That I know. I'm like 22. I'm like I'm not ready to dive in on that one. Just <laughs> <laughs> right. We're being called to adventure, and we're just initially refusing the call. Initially, we're refusing the call. Um, probably not as many times as 22 because it seems like 22s refuse the call. Like. I don't know. For it's implied that it's been thousands of years for that soul, right? Well, the the soul gets a, gets a mentor, yeah. And and twenty two has had so many mentors, so many, including Carl Jung, which I loved. That was really great. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like when I remember when I saw that, I was like, I don't know if Carl would have been a great mentor. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I'm not sure. You know, the, the mentors that were like chosen to work with 22 were all these, you know, great thinkers. Mm. And what we learn yes. is that really what 22 needed to do was just live to stop talking about it and theorizing and planning mm-hmm. and yeah just kind of right. like jump off the diving board already right she needed a regular joe eh. joe gardner <laughs> one joe Gar- excuse me one joe gardner yeah <laughs> and i i did enjoy there were parts of this film i enjoyed i don't want it to seem like i hated it i didn't hate it 
I, no, but it, but it was, and it is a really sad movie. And I ended up watching it because I, several of the folks that I work with were like, you need mm-hmm. to see this film. And initially, because it came out, or at least I watched it like maybe like midwinter mm-hmm. of 2021. And I was, I had, I'd been avoiding it because I was like, I don't know if I can sit with this amount of sadness. I certainly don't know if I can sit with like this amount of direct engagement with like death. Um, but then I had enough, I had enough people be like, no, please watch it. I want to talk about it. And I did. And I think I just like straight cried through the whole film. Yeah. It, uh, when, when I told my partner that this was my assignment <laughs> to watch, <laughs> um, he was like, I'll be in the backyard. <laughs> And he was like, that's a hard no from me. <laughs> it was. It was a hard no. And then he did wind up coming in. Um, I don't think because he wanted to watch Soul, but because no. like the dogs were tired and they wanted to be in the air conditioning. It's very hot here in Minnesota right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was like, what's happening in this movie? I'm like, <laughs> so I paused it and I was like, so here's the deal. And he's like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, I know. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and and I understand why it really resonated for people. And there were just there were some beautiful moments that I think you know, as a therapist, I absolutely could pull out. Yeah. You know, like watching so 22 winds up in Joe's body and Joe winds up in the body of a cat. Um, the cat who had died and when Joe left the body of the cat, the cat did not immediately die, which I found confusing. But fair. Was, I mean, you you can't unkill a cat. <laughs> no, one of the things that I did find ultimately, I wouldn't say disappointing, but I would say like I would have gone in a different direction with it. Is I mm-hmm. I, I felt like the movie ultimately didn't didn't want to commit to. This is going to sound weird to say, but here it is. It didn't want to commit to death. Right. Yeah. It seemed very comfortable talking about this before plays. It mm-hmm. seemed quite comfortable talking about, like, what are the joys and the sparks on Earth and being mm-hmm. alive that make it worthwhile and meaningful. Spoiler alert, success is not the answer to everything. As so often is the case, it's it's about the journey. You just play mm-hmm. the notes, you miss it. Um, but, yeah, when it came to, like, the actual dying and the transcending and whatever that would look like mm-hmm. it really it felt like the team behind this movie was like oh this feels too, like too much let's avoid it right because i had joe so i i know i'm doing a lot of explaining but i am i'm under the assumption that other people felt the way i felt which was like this movie is too sad and they haven't seen it uh, <laughs> but joe gets his big break like he he's been working as a middle school band teacher and he got his big break to to play jazz piano with one of the greats um and it it is on this day as he is rushing home to go get ready for the gig tonight that he he misses all these chances to get hurt, you know, some some bricks <laughs> fall, the road is littered in banana peels. Right. 
he manages to avoid all of that. He doesn't get hit by any taxis. He's in New York City. And then he falls down an open manhole. Because yeah. he's not living in his life. He's not no, present. He's not fully present in part because he was he was rushing and he was really, you know, he was really attaching to a certain outcome. But mm -hmm. I do want to take us down a little side path here. When he fell down that manhole, one of these things that has been very resonant for me because of my dog mm -hmm. is that there's like a real, I'm not afraid of manholes, but she is. Mm -hmm. And her whole life, I've been telling her like, it's fine. You're not going to fall down. <laughs> you're like it's safe to cross over this manhole cover oh. she still she doesn't do it she always walks around mm -hmm. and so when i was watching this i was like oh my god she's there it is it's she's been happened. she's been protecting you she's been protecting me all this time <laughs> <laughs> if only joe gardner had had a dog to help him he would have been able to navigate around that manhole cover <laughs> so i mean joe did fall down into this manhole and we don't know how he is retrieved, who finds him. Perhaps the people who didn't rope off the open manhole. Perhaps. Uh, which is a huge OSHA violation. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's also, as we're talking about this, it's just really hitting home how many, like, beats of the hero's journey this, this movie, oh. like, tracks with, right? Because, like, he literally yeah. falls into the underworld. Oh, he does. And, you know, he gets called to adventure at the top. Mm -hmm. He's, um... Yeah. His school administrator says, congrats, Joe, you're no longer a sub or a part-time employee or whatever he was. You are full-time with Benny's. Yep. You're, you can get and he full was like, tenure. And he didn't know what to do with that. He was like, this right. is a gift that's been given to me. Do I want this, though? This isn't mm -hmm. the vision of success I had for myself. This is not the call to adventure I want. Or I thought I wanted. Right. Yeah. This is not the call to adventure current Joe. Mm -hmm. Joe, who is a middle school band director. By day, secret star jazz pianist or aspiring star jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he falls down this manhole and gets very hurt. Yes. Um, and he is in the hospital. And we... You know, this is back to your point about did the creators kind of sidestep death. We we don't know what would have been Joe's natural outcome, uh, you know, of his injuries. Because, you know, he well, and he doesn't, 22... He doesn't, take, he doesn't take the stairway up. No. No, oh. he doesn't take the stairway up. Um. It's, it seems like he was meant to, that his injuries were bad enough that he was on the stairway to heaven. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I, I agree. Like, I think, although it would have been very, very sad, mm -hmm. if he had found the spark of his life as he's playing the piano and accepts his destiny, that would have been a much more profound conclusion than, you know, the powers that be that look like Picasso figures um, saying, we're in the inspiration business and you inspired us. Go live the rest of your life. Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> but then I, I, you know, I agree. But then also I'm like talking myself out of it because especially thinking about like the time that this movie did end up coming out, which certainly wasn't. I mean, when they were making the film, they didn't have any idea that it was going to coincide mm-hmm. with the most devastating global pandemic in decades. Um, I wonder if that would have just in some ways been too hard or too much to, to mm. sit with for folks. That's f- And I, I see both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. I see both sides. And especially like this is for children. So what do we want yeah. children to take away? I mean, like, it is for children, but also, like, this movie felt more adult. Mm-hmm. At least to me. Well, probably because this is subject matter that adults really suck at. <laughs> I mean, it is. <laughs> you mean in terms of, like, explaining it to themselves, explaining it to children, or both? Uh, I was talking about with themselves. Yeah. Um. The... The meaning of life shit. Sure. Um, and I, I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm sure this is true for you too, I have had to deconstruct the social constructs around what it means to succeed. What it means to have a fulfilling life. And that's because... That's because these are things we learn from our families of origin and our society. And unfortunately, society tells us that, like, the purpose of life is production. And, like, Uh, production and attainment. Attaining something. like Grasping. Grasping. Grasping for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ever grasping. Yeah. Because, the you know, at the beginning of the movie, Joe says, oh, if I could jam with Dorothea one time I could die a happy man well he did jam with Dorothea one time and he did not die a happy man oh but then it's even like when he because at some point he he gets to switch back and he gets to play the concert with her Mm -hmm. and they're out it's like the end of the show the show went really well he did a wonderful job Mm -hmm. everybody's thrilled with him and he and Dorothea are out there and Dorothea's waiting for her car and I don't remember if he's waiting for the bus or the taxi but he's like he's he's letting the moment the moments wash over him and sink in. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says something to the effect of like, "Is this it?" He says, "What do we do now? What, what do we do what now? Happens now? What happens mm-hmm. now?" And she's like, "Tomorrow." Mm-hmm. And while it seems like that, I mean, clearly that's it's very very loaded for her, but it it the vibe that I got was that that is enough for her. Mm-hmm. In a way that it didn't feel like that was enough for Joe. Like he'd been grasping for this thing his whole life mm-hmm. to get it and find that maybe this wasn't his spark. Maybe this wasn't his jazzing. Yeah. Well, and it's you and I have talked about this off air before mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I deal with my own grasping um, and I, as do we all. And I often have the question of, you know, when will I feel like I've made it in quotation marks? Mm -hmm. Because there are lots of there are lots of moments over the course of my career where I had that moment of like, oh, this is it. (laughs) And then exactly like Joe. When and what happens now, 
you know, we 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 got signed with a publisher. What mm. happens now? You write a book. Our book came out. What happens now? Right. You pr- you promote the shit out of it for for the rest <laughs> of your life. Really. For the rest of your life. <laughs> um. And I I appreciated that in this movie they they put the the story of the two fish. Um. The uh, young fish. This Dorothea tells this story to Joe in the scene you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Young fish swims up to this old fish and says, I'm looking for this thing called the ocean. And the yeah. old man says, well, you're in it. And the little fish says, nah, this is just water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess that's an invitation to friends at home. If you haven't considered where you're at in, in grasping. Yeah. This this is again as always not a stick with which to beat yourself. Oh gosh, no, no, no. Just you know, some inquiry. Because yeah. I I don't ever think there's gonna be a real moment that, or there will be plenty of moments, but there isn't going to be this extended period of time where I'm like, I've made it. Right. Like if we if we get invited. On Stephen Colbert. <laughs> That's going to be an incredible moment. Sure, it would be. And then it'll be, okay, we did Colbert, now what do we do? Right. Yeah. And if any of Colbert's people are listening, we would very much like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, any of the talks, any, any of the talk shows. <laughs> Maybe there are certainly parts of me that are like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. I got some 22 parts up in here for sure. Well, Um, we're not doing Ellen. No, we're no, no, no. Well, I mean, we can't because she's she's saying goodbye, Um, not to life, (laughs) but to her show. Um, Well, and this is the great part of the dynamic between Joe and 22, which is what they Mm -hmm. what he perhaps rediscovers or learns for the first time. It really, I think it's open to interpretation, Mm -hmm. but what they both kind of realize is that, yeah, these sparks of life, these, what makes life meaningful Mm -hmm. are these, are these moments of togetherness and sensation Mm -hmm. and feeling like when 22 eats pizza. Hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine the first time eating pizza because I don't I don't hold that memory because it's so old. No, it feels like I've always eaten pizza. Mm-hmm. Did make me want pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, man, a cartoon pizza has never looked more delicious than when I've been off dairy for months. <laughs> and don't oh, yeah, at that- me with your with your vegan pizza. With with the Daya cheese. It's not, because, it's not the same. Because it does not spark the same joy. And I, I take that, I do not take that joy away from other people. <laughs> but I don't feel it. I had some Daya cheese on my, uh, and we made burritos last night. And that was fine. Because it was just a sprinkling. It wasn't the main show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when cheese is the main show... I want, Jeez. I want, want cheese. It. I want cheese. 
from from the cow, from the goat. Uh-huh. That hopefully was humanely treated. Of course. Well, I mean, because not that this is the most important part of it, but like it does taste better. <laughs> I remember um, years ago when I was the first. It, it wasn't like the first time I'd I'd spent time with my my. Uh, partner side of his family but it was amongst like the initial wave mm-hmm. and i i was not gonna eat the, eat the bacon and i don't remember mm-hmm. if it was my partner or someone else who was like yeah larissa's not gonna eat that because uh the the cows cried there's tears in that bacon <laughs> and i was like i mean i know we're all laughing here but but i think that's true there are tears in that bacon and i don't want to <laughs> eat it because of the sadness, I would like the cows to have the opportunity to do their version of jazzing. Isn't bacon pigs? Oh, it is pigs. My God. This is what happens when you go on a five-day burst of prednisone. I mean, I've, I've been a vegetarian a long time, but... No, no. Bacon is pigs. I could retell it, or we could just keep it as is, No, which we could is just keep it. Um, pigs are very smart. They're like dogs. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I... I love how in this pod we've managed to piss off vegans and omnivores, <laughs> both. <laughs> and and I have equated cows with pigs. <laughs> what if, what an adventure we're having, just like Joe Gardner, <laughs> just like uh, Joe Gardner. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking of one of the moments that I that I really enjoyed in this film because things were not sad for a minute. Mm-hmm. And that's when they went to the barbershop. And uh, Joe, 22 in Joe's body, mm-hmm. is just conversing as 22 does, isn't trying to pretend to be Joe, right. and has the whole barbershop in stitches and you know the barber that joe has been seeing for you know the implication is like his entire adult life um finally they finally learn stuff about like joe finally learns stuff about this this barber who he assumed was born to be a barber and the barber was like nah i wanted to be a veterinarian yeah And I just, I thought that was so lovely. Um, and, you know, I might bring that up to my baby therapists when mm-hmm. I teach. How so? Uh, what's coming up for me is, you know, they're right now they're reading about collaborative therapy. Yes. And how, you know, the, the client is the expert of their life and the therapist is the expert of creating a collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. And... I I feel like the the barber and Joe dynamic was not collaborative. No, I don't think Joe was open to that kind of collaboration with others. Mm-hmm. For someone who loved jazz music so much, he was not off he was he wasn't he was not often open to co-creating meaning, which mm-hmm. is to say jazzing with the people who are around him in his daily life. But 22 was Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty-two did great jazz, mm-hmm. life jazz, <laughs> improvisation. Jazz is improvisation. They're all the baby therapists are also reading improv wisdom. 
that's great. Well, the other thing that it also it made me think about when I watched it and like mm. may or may not fit for the the student therapist that you're working with as you're teaching mm-hmm. your graduate school class is that the barber really beautifully gives voice to the ways that the systems that we're born into limit our our opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is a black barber. It's really heavily implied that he was born like lower class, mm-hmm. potentially like even like absolute in poverty. Mm-hmm. And when, I mean, if you're growing up as a young, as a young black man, right on the edge of poverty, mm-hmm. it is, there's so many systemic forces that are going to create barriers for you to become a veterinarian. And so I, I thought the scene did a great job of acknowledging all of that mm-hmm. while also offering that clearly this human found a way to still make jazz. Yeah. And it didn't make the hardships that he went through and the initial career that he grieved and lost and gave up. It didn't take Mm -hmm. away the hard parts and the tragedy of it, Mm -hmm. but it allowed it to sit right next to clearly the parts of his life that he really does love. His family, his community, his barbershop. Both and. Both and, yes. And mm-hmm. so I think that does a nice job of like, because I think I remember like when I was going through school, sometimes struggling to understand, okay, well, how do the systems that you're growing up in are born into limit you? And that scene does a really great job of depicting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Maybe the, maybe the, uh, the student therapists will get to watch a part of the movie that wasn't incredibly sad. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like they just might they, they just might <laughs> as i'm planning my next class right well and how does this loop back to sort of initially where we started which is re-entry into public mm-hmm. life we are all different now yeah we've been through something enormous and tragic and traumatic and some of us are fortunate enough to have jobs to go back to. Some of us aren't. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the specific impact on each of us, it is the case that we are all going back, having been impacted by this large sweeping event and series of systemic tragedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm having a few thoughts. Yes. I think... I think it would be important for you and I to talk a little bit about, like, just literally mindfully re-entering. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean so you and, don't end up like 22 in Joe's body running around in a, in a hospital yeah. gown? Yes. So a yes. little bit of that. And also how, how you, friends at home, want to make sense of this mm-hmm. and integrate it long term. Because these kind of cultural traumas can become the unspoken. You unpack that a bit? Yeah, the, these cultural moments can become family secrets. You know, if um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you all know I'm in my 40s. And people about my age have grandparents who were in World War II. Mm-hmm. And... 
were folks who literally served in World War II, it was unspoken. They would not talk about it. Mm-hmm. You could you could ask until you're blue in the face. They wouldn't talk about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, this is a sweeping generalization. But, you know, I think of, you know, my partner's grandfather. He was, I believe, at Iwo Jima. Yeah. And was wounded. They, the family knew, like, nothing about it except that that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the same could become true. With our, right. with all of our time serving on the quote-unquote front lines of, of the pandemic. Can, and it can impact the way we live the rest of our lives, you know? Con- continuing to think of World War II, my, my mother's parents, um, they, I mean, they saved every... Like, you know, they, they would wash out plastic bags. They would... You know, and, and my mom took some of that in and it got a little disordered for her. But where it came from, it's like they literally had rations. And serve everything. Right? You did have to think about, well, what what are we eating tonight? And what, you know, planning and planning and planning. And of course, they were Jews, so they were triply scared. Mm-hmm. Um for folks who haven't thought of this period of time as being a cultural trauma akin to World War II, it is. It is. And so we need to be really mindful about how we carry this forward. Or it could become something we never talk about, which becomes a secret in our family, which becomes a pathology for, for the generations that come after us. And I don't say that to freak anybody out. I say that because we get this opportunity with this knowledge that we have. You know, if if we had had this language at the tail end of World War II mm. and there'd been enough, you know, social support around mental health, right. a lot of veterans wouldn't have wound up getting electroshock therapy. So if we're thinking about wanting to avoid having this become a secret that makes us sick mm-hmm. brass tacks like what are we talking about yeah i not not jumping back in the way that mm-hmm. joe and 22 did sure. with just so desperate at least joe 22 yeah. kind of like fell down with him um, sure, she sure did <laughs> <laughs> but joe was just like get me back to my life yeah. It doesn't I don't care about the consequences. I don't care about anybody else. Mm-hmm. 22. I'm not paying attention to whether you're falling with me. I just need to get back into my life. Right. And I would invite people to be a lot more mindful than that. And the reality is in a really in a very real way we can't go back. Right. It doesn't mean we can't bring some of the things that we value and love forward. We absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And I think some of maybe the irony there is that part of how part of how you ensure that you are able to bring those things forward mm-hmm. is by radically accepting that 14 months have come and gone. 
And during those 14 months, we all experienced some really awful, traumatic, painful mm -hmm. events, experiences, moments, all of that. And so we are all different. We are all changed. Mm -hmm. And change is many things, including really uncomfortable. Painful. And painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially when we didn't choose the change. No. The change was thrust upon us. We didn't, we didn't sit down one day and say, you know what would be so healing? No, that's Taking not what 14 happened. months away from our, <laughs> our daily life. Right. Nobody, right. Nobody thought that. And, in, I mean, and of course, there are many folks who did not, were not able to, like, take time away from their daily life, but their daily life changed nonetheless. Right. You know, being, for example, a grocery store clerk for the last 14 months is, was radically mm -hmm. different than what came before. Being a therapist for the last 14 months was radically different than the way it was mm -hmm. before, honestly. Um, and I mean, like, I mean, I can't speak for you, but for me, I feel like I'm only starting to unpack that and start to really sit with and see like, oh, how has this changed me mm -hmm. both as a clinician and as a human? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we were in triage mode. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely speak to that as a therapist. And I think most professions were in triage mode. Like, yeah. just, just stop the bleeding. Just stop the bleeding. Just try to keep everybody alive. Mm -hmm. we, we will make things yeah. pretty. We will worry about, you know, deeper, more authentic healing. Mm. When we're off the battlefield. And oh, you know, and when you said that, what just hit me is that like leaving the battlefield isn't there's not a clear end, and mm -hmm. even once you've left it, you bring right. That's PTSD. Cause yeah, because it stays inside. It. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really at this point now that at least in the U.S. The the danger has been mitigated significantly. Yes. Um. So we, you know, we are we're off the front lines of this danger. We are carrying the war inside of us now. Yeah. And I don't know how much you've noticed it, but I feel like when I, as I've started to go back out in public, like take more mm -hmm. like outside walks. We've even done a few like patio mm -hmm. things in terms of like restaurants. Mm -hmm. so often I'm seeing people with just short fuses. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is like, it's very clear to me that like they got fumes in their distress tolerance tank. And not only is there like increased kind of social awkwardness, but there's just a rawness mm -hmm. to everybody's feelings because we've been holding so much for such a long time. Yeah. I haven't noticed it. Mm -hmm. And also when I've been in public spaces, I have very much been like in my little bubble. You you put on your full space suit. 
I do. I put on my full mm-hmm. space suit and I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm outside. What's it like to be here with these other people? How do I feel about that? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very, I'm very, probably a little navel gazy. <laughs> Maybe, but like, as we're talking it through, and I do want to pause in case some listeners are like, what do you mean by put on your spacesuit? Is Justine literally putting on a spacesuit? No, no. This is more, <laughs> this is like a metaphor, a technique where mm-hmm. you imagine putting on some sort of suit or you imagine via mindfulness meditation putting up a shield so that you can walk out into the public space. Mm-hmm. And rather than picking up on everybody else's emotional reactions, they're, you're, they just kind of bounce off of them. Mm-hmm. And I like that just sounds really adaptive, like what you're describing, because you're you're getting used to this again, too. Mm-hmm. And you got enough inside your spacesuit to be spending time with. Yeah. Yeah. I do notice <clears throat> back to soul for a second. Mm-hmm. I, I do notice that I. I am giving myself more permission to like notice what's. Notice what's happening around me that I wish to notice. Yes. Right? Like, um, we we went and sat on a patio last weekend. A friend was in town. And <laughs> this uh, this street performer was playing the saxophone. And I feel like that's something that a pre-COVID me could have let, like, drift into the background. Mm-hmm. You could have tuned it out. Yeah, but I was like, what is this saxophone player and what is he playing? And he played Careless Whisper. And it turned out everyone at the table had a story about Careless Whisper. So we shared those. And it just, it. You were jazzing. I was, yeah, I was jazzing with actual jazz. (laughs) With actual jazz. (laughs) It was like jazzing (laughs) 2.0. Yeah, which is, you know, sort of where Joe gets to at the end of his journey, which is. I'm going to live and I'm really going to notice and live in it. Right. It's that mindful attunement. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we know when we get into graspy places where we start to get so attached to a particular outcome, mm-hmm. we focus in, we focus in, we focus in. And that's the message that we're giving to all the parts of us. Mm-hmm. So those parts just start taking in extra sensory stimuli and putting it away, putting it away. Hmm. And while that can be helpful to reach a particular outcome, it limits our opportunity for present engagement and the ability Hmm. to take in moments that may be sparks of joy that could turn into a whole, I don't know, music enough. I don't know. Jazz quintet. (laughs) The metaphor is falling apart for me because music is not my area. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is like, if you're more in the moment, you can start to catch some notes. Mm -hmm. And if you focus in on those notes and you invite people around you to notice those notes, then it can turn into jazzing. Mm -hmm. Well, right. And (laughs) like the, this, this saxophone player like became part of the conversation. And when we passed him, Like, my friend threw a couple bucks in his open, you know, guitar case, or I guess it was a saxophone case. Um, Unless he, I don't know, he was like, I lost my saxophone case. (laughs) Just had the case. Um, 
And I, you know, I asked the waiter about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was just this just very sweet man mm-hmm. who, you know, I I asked what was vegan because it's just easier eating vegan food if you're off dairy and a vegetarian. It's like all that's left is eggs. Yes. And it's too confusing <laughs> to be like, I don't eat anything but eggs. Anyway. <laughs> um and there wasn't anything specifically on the menu. And he's like, oh, well, I'm a vegetarian and I, you know, we can do these herbivorous butcher tacos. And I was like, yeah, let's do those. Um, <laughs> and then yes. later I was like, so the saxophone guy, is he like, is this a Sunday thing? And he's like, well, we've got this saxophone guy and then we've got another saxophone guy, the other saxophone guy. Not as good. Uh, <laughs> well, not all saxophone guys are going to be created equal, you know. Right. But it's just it it's again this improvisation and collaborative Yeah. Engagement. And being in, in community with others in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which I think mm-hmm. this is this is an invitation we've been handed. Yeah. Now, can we re enter the world thoughtfully? Mm-hmm. What what feels okay to do to start? Right. Let's not jump right back in so that we we wind up in the body of a dead cat. Um, so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> who then miraculously lives? Anyway, uh, it was it was a plot point that really bothered me. But this is our invitation to be to be mindful. What do I feel like I can handle? What do I want to try? Like last week when my friend was in town, I was like, well, it's Art A Whirl here in Minneapolis, which is this yearly event mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, there, there's big artist community here and there are all these warehouses in Northeast Minneapolis that are just full of artists. And once a year, they fling open their doors and let you walk through their studios and you can buy their art. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's go do that. No, we can mask up. Yeah. Walk through these warehouses. There's plenty of space. Yeah. You know, if anything's too cramped, we can leave. And then let's get something to eat on a patio. And I was like, that sounds so nice. And it really was. Just so nice. Yeah. And there's a real invitation to be present with yourself so mm-hmm. that you can really notice what am I in the mood for? Yes. What am I in humor about? What is calling mm-hmm. to me? From a yeah. place of real kind of capital C curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it makes me think of um, this concept in attuned eating, which yes. is which is flavor matching or taste mm-hmm. matching. Um, and the, the idea is... You know, for for those of us who have lost the connection between our stomach and our brain, Mm -hmm. uh, we don't even really know when we're hungry. And if we can identify the the feeling of hunger, it's hard to know what to have because we have all this societal messaging around, quote unquote, good foods and quote unquote, bad foods and all this stuff. And so in this idea of of taste matching, it's really mindfully checking in with yourself and saying, do I want something hot or cold? Yeah. Do I want something crunchy or smooth? 
do I want something spicy or sweet or, you know, and you just keep going and going and going and going and going until, until you've come to something. Mm-hmm. And it really, if you have friends at home, if you haven't tried that before, I would recommend it. Not when you're so hungry that you're starving. Right. Um, because then what's going to, the message that's going to be delivered the loudest is we need food now. Yeah. Anything. Don't care. <laughs> um, but the, the first time that I practiced this, I, I was at the, the training. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they had invited us to try it. And I was like, what, what do I want for lunch today? Because, you know, we were going to get our lunch break. I'm like, okay, what do I want? I want something I want something hot, but something cold actually also sounds good. Like, And I, what I was like, I was like, I want Chipotle. That's what I wanted. It was, yeah. was going to hit all the notes that I wanted. And it was the best fucking Chipotle I have ever eaten. Because it's oh. what I was craving without knowing I was craving it. And you were able to get there by paying attention to, like, by practicing discernment Mm -hmm. as you move through different kinds of sensory stimuli. Yep. And we can also do that with what? What are we going to do? What kind of other experience do I want to have? Well, and I hadn't really intended this when we kind of got rolling here, but it, it really, I feel like, makes a lot of intuitive sense to name this other piece that's coming up as well, which is moving through step-by-step choices in this matter, in this manner. Mm-hmm. So practicing mindfulness and discernment and asking very specific sensory questions. Mm-hmm. It also really gives you the opportunity to notice what you have control over. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, these last 14 months, we've all felt the limitations. Mm-hmm of choice we've all felt like we've had that taken away from us choice control power Mm -hmm. and by really inviting us to to be in the moment and to think about what do we want and move through those questions the other message that we're sending to ourselves is we have choice here we have agency here Mm -hmm. right yeah and And that can feel really good well, I have people ask me sometimes, like, well, but what if I decide that what I really want is this and I don't have access to that? Like, how do how do we do the next best thing? Mm-hmm. You know, if what you're really craving is some pad thai. Right. And that is unavailable to you for some reason. What is the next best thing? Right. Right. And if you're anything like me, you are probably going to go with like a total 180 like pizza. Because what I don't want is to be like, I really want pad thai, but I'm not going to get pad thai. So instead, I'll get vegetable lo mein. Mm. Because for me, I will spend the entire time with that vegetable lo mein and my chopsticks being like, I really wanted the pad thai. (laughs) Because it's too reminiscent of what I almost got, but didn't quite get. Mm. Right. So which is, that's (laughs) such a good way to talk about it, though, because it's the next best thing for you. Yes. Not the closest facsimile. Oh, not at all. But the next best thing for you. And I really Mm -hmm. like that because oftentimes when my partner asks me on a weekend, you know, what do I want to eat? And we have, you know, almost infinite options, Mm -hmm. right? And I'll, I'll be like, oh, I could really go for a burger, a 
Beyond Burger, or yeah. or a big Indian dinner. I could go for either of those. Are they similar? No, but no, they're quite different on in, the culinary spectrum. <laughs> but inside of me, yes, they are they are friends, and so whichever one partner picks, I'm happy. I'm laughing now because I'm imagining two little cartoon characters. One is a Beyond Burger and one is some Moutre Paneer. And they're just like holding hands. Oh, I love that. And then I picture like some non is just like t- trying to run behind, you know, like, wait for me. <laughs> oh, my God. That's beautiful. Mm hmm. Oh, why wasn't I blessed with the skill of visual arts? <laughs> Maybe in the next life, you know, you can put it in with the Picasso guys. Put it in a request. <laughs> like, I would really like the skill also, of drawing. As an aside and apropos of nothing, I found it hilarious that one of the Picasso guys had an abacus. I know, I loved it! <laughs> yeah, friends at home, if you've never heard me uh, do a public presentation, I often mention abacai. You do. Because uh, I, I talk about how we're a fidget-friendly space. I'm fidgeting right now. Um, and I'm like, you go, you know, knit or draw or, you know, play with your abacus. <laughs> it always gets a laugh because abacus is funny. It is. I wonder if Gen Z knows what an abacus is. Huh. You think they've just been like, oh, that's nice. She's old. Maybe. I mean... Either way, now I'm like, I should probably get an abacus for one. partially back in person. Just so someone could, like, you know, fidget with an abacus. Where would I find it? Just a, a mindful journey I could take myself on later, or not. Who knows? I'm going to engage in some gentle self-inquiry and find out. Oh, love love it. <laughs> and so you, you friends at home could start thinking about, you know, what... Okay, what do I want to do? What what sort of place do I want to go to? Do I want to be indoors mm-hmm. or outdoors? Do I, you know, do I want there to be lots of people, not so many people? Really, it's um some of my clients when I talk about this sort of mindful discernment, mm-hmm. uh we talk about it as being a, a a decision tree. So, you know, you can make your own decision tree. Yes, you can. <laughs> Is that like a is it like a yes no thing decision trees? Is that how it goes? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's sort of the either or thing. So do it would start with do you want something? <laughs> and then it would be like hot or cold if we were going sure. to food. And then down mm-hmm. from hot or cold, it would be like spicy or crunchy or whatever. Um yeah, yeah, until yeah. you find your way down to uh Molly Kafta. What is that? Um, delicious vegetable balls in a sauce. Sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Friends at home, if you make yourselves a decision tree that ends in Molly Kafta, please, and you want to post it, please feel free to post and tag us. I would love to see this. I, w- I would absolutely love to see this. And I think <laughs> this probably indicates that I'm hungry for lunch. Well, it is appropriate. Mm-hmm. 
As we are winding down, in part because I think we're moving towards a natural conclusion, and also because friends at home, I'm getting over a a serious acute allergy flare-up, and I I fear Mm -hmm. my voice is on its way out. Mm. What are things that we want to, you know, invite folks to consider? Yeah. Uh, sitting with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not trying to just jump right back in to life where you feel like it stopped. Mm-hmm. Because it did, uh, for one thing, it didn't stop. You have no. been living for the past yeah. 14 months. Mm-hmm. And it has been different and it has been difficult. And that is all absolutely true and real. And we... Just like Joe Gardner, mm-hmm. he couldn't just jump right back into his body and go along as if nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you w- you went to a magical plane of existence. <laughs> <laughs> you can't unsee what you saw. You can't unknow what you know. And you can get help processing. Right. Therapists are great. Mm-hmm. Talking to your friends and family, verbalizing to normalize the the safe ones, the safe ones and practicing discernment there too. really thinking Mm -hmm. about who feels safe to talk about what particular topic with, you know, Mm. you get to do that. Right. Because not everybody's going to be skilled at talking about everything. No. And that kind of brings us to another piece to really think about. Um, I'm not quite sure why it sort of like escaped my memory initially, but as soon as you said that, like, 22 gets pulled down by accident initially. Because mm-hmm. Joe's not practicing a lot of, he doesn't have a body, he's not practicing a lot of soul awareness. Mm-hmm. And that, too, I think can, might be helpful to consider as we're shifting back out and seeing more people's practicing some real, both body, but also interpersonal and soul awareness. Like, what's happening for you and how might that be affecting us? Which is not taking responsibility for other people's emotions or stuff. That's not what that is. But it's bringing in awareness of like, okay, I'm a body in motion. If other bodies in motion are around me, how might I be impacted by them? How might I be impacting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting because it does actually pull in another theme from Soul, mm-hmm. which is when, when 22 winds up in Joe's body and it's yeah. the first time she's ever had a body mm-hmm. and she doesn't, doesn't move around very well. She doesn't like, <laughs> That's so true. you know, she doesn't quite know how to use these limbs and everything's so mm-hmm. loud and scary. And some of that you might experience, right? Especially if you live in a big city mm-hmm. where you've been, you know, isolated in a small space for a long period of time. Or if, you know, like some of my clients went to live with relatives in more rural areas so they could just have more room to roam. Yeah. Um, You know, if you're if you are returning to the the urban life Mm -hmm. after not being there for a while, it can feel like, oh, why is it so loud? Why are there so many smells? Right. (laughs) It's it's sensory system overload. This is Mm -hmm. reminding me of this was probably a couple weeks back that I went it, it was the first time I'd been in an indoor restaurant in, mm-hmm. since the pandemic hit in March. 
And I had this moment where I was sitting there and I was trying to listen to my friend talk, but then a song was being played. And Mm. it's not even that the song was like too loud, though sometimes they are. It was more that I realized this was the most auditory sensory input that I'd had to deal with in over a year. Mm -hmm. And rather than like beating myself up about it or like using it as a stick to beat myself as you so often Mm -hmm. lovingly say i was like let's just take a moment and notice like wow i don't know what thing to focus on yeah right and and you can name it i mean Mm -hmm. that's uh this was a little while ago now but i went to brunch with with some friends and it we wound up in a table that did not have an umbrella Oh, and friends sure. at home, if you have never seen a picture of me, I am very pale. Like a like a, a cute vampire. Like a very cute, small vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my friend's trying to talk to me. <clears throat> and I literally said to her, I was like, I am not going to be able to listen to you until we get an umbrella. <laughs> and she was like, really? I'm like, Really? I need I need to name that because I want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And I currently cannot because m- m- my awareness is too pulled to the fact that I am exposed to the sun. <laughs> well, and like, this is such a beautiful example of sometimes when we think about like not holding secrets, we think like, oh, I have to tell the whole story. Mm hmm. You did not tell your friend the entire story. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. You did not tell your friend the entire story of what the past 14 months were like for you. Mm -hmm. Though obviously those 14 months were part of what impacted you and your inability to listen while also waiting for an umbrella. (laughs) You chose the part that you felt was most appropriate to the moment Mm -hmm. that you felt comfortable telling that you felt like your friend, that you felt like your friend had the best chance of like hearing and understanding, right? Yeah, and sure, she was like, "Really?" But also, we've known each other many, many years. And when I said, "Yeah,", yeah she was like, "Okay." <laughs> is there is there anything we can talk about until this umbrella gets here? <laughs> what was the answer? I what was coming up for me was I I just I really couldn't like process what had been going on for her and like i wanted the whole story of like stuff that was happening in her life and i was like how about something Mm -hmm. small yeah what a great proactive thing that you then initiated with your friend that ended up being a way that you could honor your self-care and also honor your care and love for her Mm -hmm. like you were able to find a way to like let her in on your process instead of like trying to hold and hold and hold And like, I don't know if this would have happened, but I could see it happening for someone else, like inducing some sort of like panic. Oh, sure. Right. Or some other, you know, sort of like Mm -hmm. PTSD related symptom that happens when we are feeling really uncomfortable. It is potentially going to be triggering some profoundly upsetting memories. And instead of figuring out a way out of that, we just like hold until we explode or implode. Right. I, if I hadn't named it, it would still be happening. Right? It's just naming it means other people know what is going on inside of you. Yes. Because I'm sure I looked uncomfortable. Well, maybe I didn't. I'm I'm a very good actress. It's a problem, actually. 
what it's what gets me more work at the gym. Oh yeah, because Coach Tyler's always like that looked easy, and I'm like, it's not my fault. I'm a bomb ass actress. Much true. Every time he says that to me, I'm like, no, you take that back. Nothing about this is easy. Stop. <laughs> Someday we'll have to post a picture of Coach Tyler so people know who we're talking about. We will. That way they can picture him in all of his glory. His very, very tallness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything more before we shift to, to terms or do we feel ready to shift? I feel ready to shift. I think... I, th- I think we shared some good stuff. I, w- I do want to say um, thanks for f- thanks to folks for understanding why we did not have a full oh, yes. app last mm-hmm. time as I had just gotten my COVID vaccine and I was not feeling up to it. So I appreciate the the understanding. And mm-hmm. I, I actually I think that's been a very cool. Just normalizing thing amongst people is, you know, when I got my vaccines, I just, I'm I'm pretty open with my clients about what's going mm-hmm. on as long as it's, you know, not too much disclosure. Right. But, you know, I, I'll say, like, I have a migraine or right. I just well, have my COVID vaccine. That's part of the verbalize to normalize is really mm-hmm. inviting the folks we work with to prioritize their own care too. Right. And so when I was like, I got my COVID vaccine and I don't feel well, my clients were like, okay, I'm glad you got your vaccine. Let's reschedule. And in the interest of full disclosure, um, I also was like, oh, yes, you need to rest. But then I was still like, my productivity part was still present. They were like, we will still find a way to record a pod, which I then (laughs) mentioned to my partner. And he was like, why? Why would you why would you do that? (laughs) Our friend needs to rest. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, which is a great reminder for folks at home that we are not enlightened beings. No, no, no. We're just humans shambling (laughs) around this big rock. (laughs) Just like everybody else. Trying to stay hydrated and away from tree pollen. (laughs) (laughs) And we, and we also have graspy parts and we do. You know, capitalist, productive parts, and mm-hmm. not wanting to let people down parts. That's right. Parts that want cheese, even though we're not sure if we can digest <laughs> it. You know, it's, a whole, it's a whole multiverse. We are. Oh, we contain multiverses. We could have used that instead of we contain multitudes. God, we could have. Oh, it's just, here's the thing about, <laughs> about creating anything that gets printed, friends at home. Mm-hmm. You might also think to yourself that at some point the editing process does end. And technically it does, sort of. But that part of you that like you create that is there to help you edit this thing that you spent like years of your life on, it's mm-hmm. also just like there with you. It is. It is, but you know what? I'd, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you to write down we contain multiverses for when we write a future book. That. Because I think that has a home in a future book. No, it's for next book. There we go. All right. While I do that, would you like to tell the people about the terms we use today? Sure. So we talked about mindfulness quite a bit. We talked about self care. Um, we didn't specifically talk about the stages of grief, but we did talk about grief. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, 
God, we didn't do much IFS. How shocking. No, I mean, I just used a lot of parts language just a moment ago. <laughs> That's true. But it wasn't a huge part of what yeah. we were talking about. Uh, we talk, We used the term discernment. Um, and we talked a bit about PTSD. And I, oh, and we talked about attuned uh, eating. I believe that was everything. And, and we only talked about soul. Right? In terms of fandoms. This is quite, this might be a Starship Therapy's first. It really might be because usually there's at least one Dean, Ch Dean Winchester reference. There usually is. And not this time. This time, soul was so overwhelming in its sadness. <laughs> there, there wasn't room for anything else. It was... <laughs> it was a rich tapestry. And I did very much appreciate in the film the way it. It brought in so many, like, even, like, characters that were just sort of cameos. You felt that there was a rich backstory there. Like, the little girl who is, I think, like, the trombone player. Oh, that yeah. He helps. Like, I felt like in those, like, two scenes that they had, I could see this whole relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. I think this, this movie particularly did a good job of that. I think Pixar tends to do a nice job. Yeah. Agreed. But this one... You very much felt the history, you know, you felt the history, history between Joe and mom mm -hmm. and Ed. Mm -hmm. right. And like you, you felt the community in the barbershop and it's, I felt like they did do a really nice, really nice job of that. How we're all, how we're always co-creating collaborative therapy. That's the other thing we talked about. All right. Are we ready for me to do my thing? Take us home, sir. Okay. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. Keep jazzing! Join us next time for a Rick and Morty retrospective which I prefer to call a Rickrospective. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. We are also available on Stitcher and Spotify. And just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fanfiction to Rewrite Your Life, is now available at all of your favorite booksellers. So order yourself a copy or two or three and share the news with your social networks. And please, friends, if you have please. read the book and you enjoyed it, drop us a review on your favorite site that has reviews. I cannot legally name any of them <laughs> <laughs> we can just invite you to think about what are the ones that most readily come to your mind <laughs> if you enjoyed the book and have not written a review we just we would love you to do so it would be really great and mm -hmm. while you're there please feel free to upvote those other reviews that you feel shared your experience <laughs> well done thank you and as always friends live, live long and, and prosper, prosper.